the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Ian Simpkins, along with Brian Fromm. You can find us all over the World Wide Web on Facebook at The Common Good Radio Show, 1160hope.com, slash The Common Good on Twitter, at Common Good Talk. Also, Brian, did you know? I did. How, okay, well, no need to even <laughs> ask. Ahead. Go ahead. All-knowing Brian, there we have we a podcast. It's true. Yes, and it is something I knew. <laughs> Wherever you, I've heard you mention it a couple of times, but uh, if you are a podcast person, liking, subscribing, and reviewing all that actually really does help us out a lot, and uh, thanks to all of you who have. But uh, I say this all the time. We love just Brian and I talking and tackling topics, but my favorite part of the show is having guests in studio, especially a guest that I think are doing great stuff in the yep. world. So, Greg, wel- welcome to the show, sir. Oh, such an honor to be here. Thank you guys for letting me be here. Man, it's be my welcome. pleasure. That sultry third voice you're hearing is <laughs> none other than Greg Armstrong. So, rather than me talk about him, I'm going to let Greg introduce himself to y'all in whatever manner he sees fit, and we're going to get into it. Awesome, everybody. My name is Greg Armstrong. I'm the lead pastor of Renew Church here in the western suburb of Chicago, Lombard. I'm honored to serve. In Lombard, yeah, and uh, I am so blessed. I just celebrated 15 years with wow. my wife. Oh, that's awesome! I have two active boys. <laughs> I have one two-year-old and an eight-year-old, and, uh, and and but we so we have a very active home. Uh, just very honored to serve God's church. I love pastoring uh, our great community there. Renew. Uh, we we serve a multi-ethnic community very intentionally in the West suburbs mm. and. I know we'll get into some of it, but yeah. just uh, just honored to, to be a part of what God's doing. That's yeah, awesome, well, thanks yeah. for doing this. I'm curious. It's always fun to hear people's stories, right? Like yeah. you didn't just become a pastor one day. Yeah, give us kind of the Reader's Digest version of your story. Oh man, I'm a church boy. I'll be honest. You know, I don't have, a, <laughs> no I don't shame, have that. No shame. I don't have that like crazy testimony. Yeah, like yeah. my parents were like faithful to the gospel. My mom loved the Lord. That's awesome. I grew up in a home. Uh, I grew up in a, a Christian home. My grandfather was a pastor on the west side of Chicago no in K Town and Roosevelt and Karloff. So that's where I cut my teeth in ministry. Mm. So I love the West side of Chicago. I grew up in Maywood, which is uh, just home for me. Um, you know, my, my story was interesting in that, um, my parents were adamant about us getting Christian education. Oh, really? So we lived in Maywood, but they bust us out to uh, to Christian school in Elmhurst, hmm. uh, Timothy Christian School. Yeah. And all my life, I went there. So Sunday morning, I'm playing B3 at church. And then Monday, we're playing like Michael W. Smith <laughs> <laughs> in, the, in the worship band. You know, oh, I mean, man, I'm in this screw- awesome. My world was just so screwed up. And so my parents weren't very intentional on making our lives multi-ethnic. And they didn't know much about uh, uh, theological positions, et cetera. They just hmm. knew. Uh, we heard they said Jesus. <laughs> they said Jesus yeah. said, we're in. <laughs> and we want you there. And so that that was their intent. And, and so being there... It just shaped a lot of relationships for me, for Hmm. uh, multiple cultures, uh, multiple perspectives. Some of my best friends were from different cultures, um, but I didn't live in that community. So my my home urban context was home, but every day I was bust into another context that was unfamiliar um, until I got older. So, so I'm curious because you know Brian and I are both pastors, and I think Mm -hmm. we've even talked about this at length. What was the the moment that you? 
made the decision, you finally stopped fighting, whatever it was that you were like, all right, I think I think full time ministry is, is the path for me. What was what was that journey like? Yeah, so we were I've been serving in church all my life, uh, and then uh, we we were uh, we were hired to be a worship pastors okay. in Phoenix. Okay. Um, so while I was in Phoenix, um, ultimately after a while, this, this burden came on my heart for college students. There was Ooh. nothing for college students. Hmm. And so, uh, I went to the pastor and said, you know, can we engage the college students? Hmm. Just give us an opportunity at them. And so we started like anyone would start a college ministry, a young adult ministry, uh, Bible studies every week, hmm. et cetera. And then we said, well, you know what? We have people coming, you know, why don't we, uh, you know, have a service hmm. and somewhere in there. Is where the bug just. I didn't know anything about church planning. I didn't, I didn't know anything about oh, any of really? that. No, no, okay. no, no. Had never even engaged the term. I was on the West Coast, and all of a sudden, something hit me one night as we were setting up chairs. Hmm. And I said, I love preparing the house for hmm. God's people and seeing them blessed. And that's where it happened. And the fruit was on that ministry. And that's where I knew. You know, we're gonna pastor for the rest of our lives, and That's we're gonna awesome. plant, we're gonna plant churches specifically. I love that. Yeah. So, how did you end up back in Lombard? And yeah, how did you end up in Lombard? Just very specifically. Yeah. So, growing up in Maywood, a lot of my friends were in Lombard, Villa Park, Elmhurst. Mm-hmm. Very familiar with this with the area. Um, I got to Lombard through Northern Seminary, which I'm an enrollment director there. So, I'm a mm-hmm. bivocational pastor, and I'm the, the enrollment director there. And so, being back in Lombard was kind of nostalgia. Uh, but one day I was driving down Roosevelt Road and uh, we were going to plant in another in another place. And the Lord spoke to me in that moment and wow. said, this is home for you. Now, the reason why is because the western suburbs look so much different than when I was a little boy. Yeah, right. Right. It's more multi-ethnic. Right. There's more clashing in the community in terms of ethnicity and, and, and people type. And I was just amazed at what what happened over the years, you know, mm. 15, 20 years since I really resided in this area. Yeah. So I'm going to the movie theater and I'm like, <laughs> all these brothers like skinny jeans, <laughs> tattoos. <laughs> and, I'm going, and, I, and I'm going to like I'm going to Wingstop on Roosevelt uh-huh. and, and I'm seeing all these people. I'm like, where do you guys live? Oh, we live here. We live in Villa Park. We live in Lombard. I'm like, no, 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 you don't. You know, trust me. I was like the only brother within miles out here. And they're like, you've been gone a while. (laughs) Like You've been gone a while. But again, something came over my heart and Mm. it was so, it was actually satisfying to me. Yeah. I never thought we'd plant here, but it was satisfying to me for the Lord to say, this is where I want you to call for reconciliation. Wow. You understand the language, the culture, the various cultures. It wasn't an accident that you went to Timothy and you lived in Maywood. Uh-huh. I have shaped you for this moment. That's awesome. That's incredible. What yeah. is it like to, to realize that you've been shaped for a moment like that? Like I, I meet more pastors. I'm always so interested in the diversity of their stories, too, because sure. like for me, I fought it. Like, and I'll, I, yeah. I won't. I mean, I won't make any qualms about it. Like for me, it wasn't this like holy moment. It was like, I no, thank you. Like, is there another line? <laughs> I can stand in, right. and you're having this. Uh, it's you know we talk about the long obedience in the same direction. Sure. That's a, a line that we quote all the yep, time. Yep. You have this moment where you're realizing all these different aspects have come together and have equipped you for this specific role. What what is that like? Can you walk us through that a little bit? Well, yeah, it's satisfying one because everyone everyone's always searching for like what's my ultimate purpose. Yeah, like, right. You know, we know. You, you know, let's be honest. You can get a job at church. You can become a pastor. You can do this. You can do that. Right. You know, my. You know, I'm historically my my background is music. So I've been a musician, a worship mm-hmm. pastor. All I wanted to do was tour with a gospel artist. That's all I cared about doing. Oh, no kidding. Oh yeah, man. If I can, if I can get on tour, I live that life. Gotcha. I'm good. And so I had. 
you know, I had to come into the calling, but I've had multiple times where, okay, I've called you to be a pastor. Wow. You're, you're affirming that in me. That's hmm. great. Then the, the next step for me was I've called you to a specific purpose as a pastor, hmm. which is multi-ethnic engagement yeah. and calling for reconciliation. Right. And that was the more significant one for me because I come from a line of ministry. I come from a family of ministry. They're all doing something in ministry. Right. But for God to specify that I want you to be a voice for the multi-ethnic community and calling for reconciliation, yes. having friends and, mm. and colleagues that are that are going after the same thing, having the hard conversations, planting a church yes. with these tough issues at at hand. Uh, that was that was kind of a wake up for me. That's great, man. All right, so that third voice you're hearing is none other than Pastor Greg Armstrong. We're mm-hmm. going to talk about uh, multi ethnic ministry. Yep. We're going to talk about renewed church, renewed movement, Northern yep. Seminary, church planting. Having young kids, we're gonna we're gonna <laughs> oh. tackle it all. We're gonna do our best. That's just all, a little bit. Yeah, why not? That's all coming up next here on the Common Good on AM eleven sixty. Hope for your life. Well, hi friends, welcome back to the Common Good. You can find us all over the World Wide Web on Facebook, Common Good Radio Show, eleven sixty hope dot com. You know what? You can just Google us, and I am confident. I think you can tell Alexa. Have you tried this yet, Brian? I have not. You told me the last three days to do it. I've right, not it, done it. Give it a shot. Just yell at Alexa or whatever you do with Alexa. I don't. I clearly we should don't try have it one. in here. Let's get an Alexa in the studio. That's a terrible it. idea. <laughs> terrible idea. But we are joined in studio by none other than Pastor Greg Armstrong. Do people call, call you Pastor Greg, or is that like a? Uh, my church calls me PG. Do they really? They do. It, and <laughs> I, didn't, yeah, awesome. I didn't initiate it. It just started happening. So then I started signing stuff PG. Did you really? Just, I did. Man, I, I, I got caught in I want a cool nickname it. like that. I had a lady at our last church. She used to always call me Padre, which always, <laughs> I always felt so cool. But I was like, you know, I'm not a priest, right? And like, that doesn't... She's like, yes, Padre. I'm like, okay. Yes, Padre. <laughs> I love it. All right. So you were talking earlier... Man, I love your story, too, by the way, because I, I actually really appreciate because I hear people all the time saying, I don't have a cool story. I like, was never addicted to crack. I never right. like robbed the bank. And you're saying, yeah, I was raised in the church by like two faithful parents. And that's actually where my love for Jesus began. And so you're now so you're a pastor, but you're also a musician and you're working at a seminary. So mm-hmm. we're going to get to all of that. But uh, you have kind of been given the specific heartbeat for multi-ethnic ministry. Can you talk to us a little bit more about that? And maybe what are some of the things that the average listener might not know about multi-ethnic ministry? Yeah, you know, growing up in Chicago, right? I mean, we we understand, like, segregation. Yeah, we right. understand. I mean, growing up, I remember being on the west side of Chicago, and it was just a black community, black mm. churches. And, mm. and then, you know, going to my friends' churches in the suburbs, they were all white churches. And, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't have communities that are they're homogenous. I'm, I'm not saying that fully, but what I am saying is I, I believe the scriptures really, really outline for us mm. a multi-ethnic gospel and engagement. Mm. Like Paul engaged in multi-ethnic church planting. Right. Like all the people that we read about in the scriptures, the communities of people, they weren't all the same. You know, they they weren't all the same ethnicity. Um, and so a part of that, uh, realizing that God has given me a passion hmm. to try to merge voices to some degree, hmm. right? And, and to try, and, and to say, what do we do with communities that are experiencing um, this uh, this clashing, so yeah, to speak? Right. So, for instance, in the western suburbs, because of issues of gentrification in the city, hmm. um, uh, people are being pushed out to the burbs. Communities are being formed that otherwise may not have, you know, said we want to be formed. Yeah, right. Um, and it's causing 
kind of some combustion. I mean, I've done a lot of interviewing in the West Suburbs, Chicago, mm. saying, hey, ma'am, do you know that there's a, a larger Hispanic population here? Do you know there are Muslims here? Do you know there are mm. blacks here? Oh, no, I have no idea. No kidding. You know? and, and we're not coming to the realization that we're all actually living together. Hmm. Uh, so for me, I, I feel like there needs to be a multi-ethnic expression. If we're going to be living together, let's worship together. Let's be on mission together. Let's understand each other. And here's the thing. It's a messy work because we all we all are so different. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that's why I believe God kind of kind of brought me through uh, what he brought me through in order to try to understand various cultures, voices and perspectives so that we can be on mission together. And growing a multi-ethnic congregation, people may not realize it takes some real intentionality. What we've seen in a lot of churches is it doesn't just happen. So what does some of that intentionality look like? What are the steps you've had to take to try to grow a multi-ethnic congregation? Absolutely. That's a great question. And and I will preface it by saying this, that these are things we are working on as a church. And I'm just praying for some of these things to be in place. But one, multi-ethnic, you can't have a multi-ethnic community without multi-ethnic leadership. Yeah, right. So there has to be voices of various ethnicities and perspectives at the table Mm -hmm. making decisions for the greater community. That's right. I'm a part of a nonprofit called the Courageous Love Initiative where Mm. myself and Hispanic community, um, uh, uh, a friend of mine who's an Episcopal priest. Mm. That's actually the church we meet in. Mm -hmm. I love that. and, and, And she's a white priest. And we come to the table uh, as leadership to bring the perspectives necessary for the conversations that we must have here in Chicago. And so there's some intentionality in that. Yeah, and, right. and, and there's some intentionality in the leadership. There's some intentionality in your in your structure and in the texture of your church, right? Right. So, you know, I'm I'm like black church, like, you know, playing the organ on a, in a robe, you know, flipping and screaming. And I love me, my me culture. Me too, yeah. yeah, yeah. Right? So, oh, man, I, there's nothing too. better, in my opinion, there's nothing better than a preacher with a B3 organ behind him. That's me, right? But 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 there, but there what I say in, in multi-ethnic ministry, uh, David Fitch likes to talk about mutual submission. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And, right. and, I, and what I want to do is say, what preferences can I lay aside? Can we bring mm. all of our preferences to the altar? Can we bring those before God, submit some of those, be mutually submissive to one another, open space for all of us uh-huh. to be uncomfortable right. and engage in the gospel in this way? So what, what have been some of the hurdles then? Not just like the pragmatic, practical hurdles, but even some of the more philosophical theological hurdles because everything that you just said I think a lot of people will nod and say yeah yeah we need to mutually submit right. until they play that song I hate <laughs> right? right or until right. they you know the sermons get longer or shorter than what I prefer or right. you know like we tend to hold on to preferences tighter than we realize which is why I think we get these echo chambers yeah. and you're intentionally trying to kind of go after some of that what have been some of the major hurdles that you found well some of the hurdles definitely are preference yeah. right you know we well we like to have church but well, yeah well we, you know we're trying to be on mission we're trying to be available we're trying to be open right, to right. other people that have other perspectives that right. you know we have a dream to have multi-class multi-generational multi-ethnic and you know we just can't get up there and, and, and scream and scare everybody right, right. so <laughs> some of those worship styles preferences uh-huh. yeah. are some of the things I made a mistake in my church right so we really do like great music and upbeat music and uh, we went to we said we're going to do like a month of acoustic worship right? hmm. and the church fell in love with it I'm like no, no. <laughs> man, they're like oh Pastor Gray, I love that man I love that worship it's it was soft. just an experiment <laughs> we're just trying it um, so, some of the difficulties and hurdles believe it or not 
and this this is the part that saddens me and hurts my heart is church leadership, mm. um, pastors, mm. and other churches. Um, it saddens me that they don't want it. And so one of the things that we really burdened to do, I, I was very adamant about this, was to not plant a church without friends. Oh, and so wow. I go to everybody and I'm not I'm not making shots at people. I'm just saying, go to everybody. Can we meet? Can we talk? Hey, do you see this? I'm not I don't want to ch- I don't want to change your church. Right. But I think we need to be in conversation together. Right. Mm. A black kid just got shot by a white cop. Let's talk about it. Right. Are you bringing this up? Mm. Like I'm not trying to put you on the. We need to have these conversations as a as a church community yeah. in the community, right. and we get a lot of pushback on that. Believe it or not, wow. we get a lot of pushback on that. That's fascinating. I'm curious. Also, your church you already said meets. I was just looking at your website while you're talking. Mm-hmm. You meet in another church on Sunday morning. What's the dynamics there? Uh, how does that even add to the fabric of what you're doing? Oh man, it's 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 a whole lesson in itself. <laughs> oh man, I, I have to say. So, Mother Mo is the priest of Calvary Episcopal Church, mm. a good friend of mine absolutely welcomed us in that space, almost made us come in that space. That's beautiful. She's fighting for the same thing. She said, you need to be here. And the reason why she said that is because she said, my people need to see other cultures and their expressive worship and how we can work together for um, the gospel. And so that's how we got there. Wow. Um, They, they went, they, and a lot of church planners don't get this story. So I am proud of this, but they, (laughs) it's an older congregation of about 40 to 50 people, all probably over 50, 60 years old. Mm. And they moved their service times. No kidding. They gave us all, they, they said, where's your storage? And we said, it's here, get rid of it. Gave us all of our stories. They welcomed us in. Come it was on. such a beautiful picture of reconciliation and mm. moving forward in the gospel. And they have been such, I mean, we do not have horror stories like That's some awesome. do. Yeah, and we right. love it there. And and then in turn, right, we got all these young whippersnappers. Yeah, we're right. helping them. We're fixing stuff. We're going to put screens up. We're helping Come them with on. how to move forward. So we're both helping each other. Yeah, yeah. Better each other, dude. What a beautiful glimpse that is. I love. I love. <laughs> that. I'm cool. like tearing up over here. All right. So that third voice you're hearing is Pastor Greg Armstrong, and it's uh, gonna stick around for one more segment. We're gonna talk about a little more multi ethnic ministry. We're gonna talk about higher education, if that's okay. I want to talk sure. about sort of your music bent as well, because I yeah. think that's a unique part of what makes you you. So that's all coming up next here on the Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Ian Simpkins, along with Brian Fromm. You can find us all over the World Wide Web. Plus, we are podcasted. If uh, you wouldn't mind hitting that little share button, that does really help us out a whole lot. Plus, liking and subscribing and reviewing does somehow magically help us. But we are joined in the studio, in the flesh, by... Doctor, you're not a doctor. No, I know. <laughs> Give it to him anyway. Someone's going to call me on that. <laughs> I work in higher ed. Yeah, They're going right, to call right, you. Yeah, that's why you just give off a very doctoral sort of energy, right? <laughs> so, Pastor Greg Armstrong, who is the lead pastor of Renew Church, but also a musician and a church planner and uh, someone who's involved, as you said, in higher education. Mm-hmm. So, before I ask my next question, where can people go to learn more about all the different things that you're involved in? Yeah, we're you know our church is myrenew.org. I would love for you to go there and just kind of see what what we're doing and what we're about. Um, my handle for Instagram is at Greg Armstrong. I'm on Facebook as well. Uh, Renew Movement is our, uh, we're going to talk about that, is our worship collective. So that's at, at Renew underscore Movement. 
and uh, you'll intertwine all of us at any one of those hands. Right. Love it. That's awesome. All right. So tell me about Renew Movement because I'm so interested in this particular part of your story because I'm yeah. a musician yeah. and a pastor, and uh, I don't find a lot of pastors that are also musicians for whatever reason. And it feels like so often in local church ministry that can tend to be the greatest rift is between the lead or senior pastor and the person who runs the music. Yeah. And you sort of understand now both perspectives. What What is a little bit of your history as a musician? Tell me about the Renew Movement and where have you seen God at work there? Yeah, absolutely. Well, Renew Movement came out of a, uh, a burden for worship leaders and those who are in the ministry context. Um, I spent the last 15 years as a worship pastor at various churches and uh, realized I was super tired when mm-hmm. I left. Uh, a friend of mine, we went and had coffee. And we said, uh, we haven't seen each other in a long time. We both worked for big churches mm. and we just didn't have community together. Yeah. And so out of that came what, what we called Renew Worship Nights, where we just invited worship leaders who were serving every week to come and be served. And That's so I would awesome. get on the phone. I'd call pastors. I'd call all, every denomination. I'd say, hey, you, I don't know, you don't know who I am, but some people are going to be like <laughs> dancing. Some people are going to be speaking in tongues. Some right. people are not going to say a thing. It's going to be crazy. Uh, but we need you here. We just want to serve you. And what happened was a bunch of other people started coming. So we started hosting Renew Worship Nights, South Suburbs, City, Chicago, West Suburbs. And then out of that, you know, I have a passion for songwriting and making Mm. records and things of that sort. We said, well, how can we bridge the gap between all of us who don't see each other? Right. And so we began a collective called Renew Movement. I love and that. so we write songs and we, we do video. Some of our stuff is on YouTube and uh, we make records. We're releasing a new one this year. Mm. Uh, and so it's really, really great. And then we started a conference where uh, the Renew Conference, we just had our third year. It's been great. Had about a couple hundred worship leaders and worship teams come just to be refreshed. Wow. We love on them. We do breakouts. We help them. We resource them. All my great friends, pastors, worship leaders come and pour super cheap so that they're the sound guy, the, the musician, the, the you know, everybody can come. Yeah, right. And we just say, you can keep doing this. Keep moving. We love you. We encourage you. Here's how you deal with your pastor. Pastor, here's how you deal with your worship. <laughs> yeah, right. And we have those hard conversations. Wow. And we say, go be great. And that's our way of serving the local church. I that's love fascinating. That. Yeah. So when I look at your bio, everything, there's a common word of renew, yeah. which is obviously intentional. Where does that come from? Why is that at the heartbeat of everything you're doing? Yeah. So coming out of that season of full-time ministry uh, as a worship pastor, we needed some renewal. We yeah. needed, that's how we came up with the name. We just needed some space and some to breathe again. Yeah. Uh, you can do church ministry so much and, and dig in so much. You don't even come up for air. You, right. I don't even have friends anymore. I'm right. at church all the time. Right. And so that's where Renew came from. So everything we do from our church to our mm. worship ministry to our personal lives, as we say at our church, the renewal of all things, that's what we want to see, the renewal of all things and all people through the love of Jesus Christ. Mm. Man, hard not to like that, man. All right, talk to me a little bit about what you're doing at Northern then, because people may not even know necessarily what Northern is, so yeah. give us a little commercial uh, there. I love Northern Seminary. I want to shout out Northern Seminary. <laughs> oh, man. I work, I'm the enrollment director at Northern Seminary. I'm awesome. also a student at Northern Seminary, and I got to Northern um, out of a friend who graduated. I never intended to be in seminary. Yeah. She graduated. I was at the graduation, and... By, by the way, I'm a Baptocostal Pentecostal. Right? So, so you keep hearing me say the Lord spoke to him, and he did. So, but I, but I, I, I was, I, I was in, the, I was in the balcony, and the Lord spoke to me and said, "You can do this." And I'm like, "Oh, are you kidding me?" And then my wife ended up saying, "I want you to do this. I think you can do this." No kidding. So I got into seminary education. Didn't know anything about seminary. Uh, I was traveling a lot, doing music. A friend of mine was the the admissions director, and said. Uh, 
Hey, we want we want to hire a missions counselor. I said, "What do you do for that?" He said, "Just talk to pastors." I said, oh, "I can do that." All day. <laughs> and so that's how I got to working for Northern. But Northern has wow. become Northern is a community of practitioners and pastors, and that's why I love it because it's not just a heady theological institution. Yeah, right. It is that the conversations are very dense, but at the same time, we do not walk away from the table without saying, how do we apply this to the local church context? Yeah, that's great. So if you go to Northern's website, seminary.edu or at Northern Seminary, you will notice that our professors and our voices are leading voices. Absolutely. They really are. Yeah. That's they really for sure. Are. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm curious. Um, we were talking a little bit about the suburbs before. I'm, mm-hmm. I've, I used to live in Wheaton, now live in yeah. Downers Grove, kind of the western suburbs. Yeah. Uh, I, I was going to say, how do you see it changing, kind of looking forward, but maybe also what's your hope for the suburb, suburbs and the suburban church, huh. kind mm-hmm. of in these um, you know, five, ten years looking forward? Yeah, well, as, as development continues to happen in the city, this, the suburbs is going to be the new urban. I think that's a good thing. I hmm. think there's going to be a continual merging of cultures, which mm. I personally, I'd like to think I'm a little biased with the multi-ethnic perspective, but right. I think that's a God thing to where we can actually have some conversations that we could not once have before. Mm. Um, so I think that's going to continue to happen. Here's, here's my plea to all my brothers in the Western suburbs. I've been saying, hey, don't pick up and leave. Right. So like to my white, my white pastors and of other ethnicities, don't pick up and leave. Stay. Hmm. We can do this. Part of our responsibility is to try to bridge that gap, to say, how can we coexist for the gospel? It's going to continue to change. Let's not just just keep going further west, but let's remain. So I believe it's going to continue to emerge into more of an urban type um, uh, community. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not not urban as people's perspective likes to look at it, but Hmm. urban in a beautiful sense. Just like all the church planners are going to the city now (laughs) to engage the urban content. Uh, I I think we'll have that opportunity as well out here. I think it's going to happen. So that's actually one of the heartbeats of the show when we call it, I mean, the word common there was really intentional for us because we we wanted to be a a space and a platform to actually Mm -hmm. engage in common dialogue, Mm -hmm. even if we don't necessarily have all that much in common. I'm wondering, so you're you're a pastor, you're a preacher. Would you just give some hope then to the person listening who they're looking at their newsfeed and they're looking at their neighborhoods and all they see is division. Mm-hmm. They just see, I mean, and there is a lot of that. These are divided times. It feels like our confirmation bias is getting stronger and stronger and people are just throwing elbows and throwing arrows from behind a computer screen. Like from, from where you sit, would you speak some hope into someone yeah. listening saying, I don't, man, I don't, I don't know how we can even strive for unity. Mm. Yeah. Well, you one, we can't give up because yeah. I believe it's God's call for us to be unified. Right. It's a messy work and it's uncomfortable. And I think it's going to call us into some new places of maturity. But one, one thing I would encourage one, I want to say, keep going, keep pushing forward with what God puts on your heart, but get some friends. Mm. And I think mm. if you can hold on to one person that you can have this conversation with, mm. it relieves the tension of you feeling like you're isolated and you're alone. And so I, I believe there's more, work that can be done if you have some friends of different ethnicities and cultures and perspectives you working together in unity than us trying to save the whole city right yeah, because, right you know we can't save the whole city and say right. we want the whole city to be merged i mean nobody's going into k-town saying we're going to build a multi-ethnic church you know right. what I mean? yeah. but 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 we can where god places us find one or two people to say can we be in this work together and that's the work i do with a few of my friends to create just love to say it's just us three right now we're yeah. going to continue to call yeah. for it 
maybe it'll spark uh, momentum in the future. Well, man, Greg, just to say it, man, I'm so grateful that you're in ministry and ministry <laughs> yeah. in our oh, area. I'm grateful I'm for grateful you guys. For the heart that God's given you. Would you man. hit us up with all those websites and handles and stuff one more time? Where yes. can people get a hold of you? Please. Our church is at myrenew.org. That's Renew Church in Lombard, Illinois. You can find me at, at Greg Armstrong. Um, you can find Renew Movement, our worship collective, at, at Renew underscore movement. And we would love to just hear what God's doing in your life, and hopefully we can all stay connected. Absolutely. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. We're praying for you. Thanks. You've been listening to The Common Good right here on AM 1160. Hope for your life.